Fred Goldstein reporting on behalf of Health Innovation Media at the Florida Association of ACOs Conference here in Orlando and I'm joined by our guest Dr. Robert Fields who's the medical director for Mission Health Partners in North Carolina. He just gave an incredible keynote speech to launch the conference and tell us a little bit about your background and how Mission Health got started. Sure. Uh, we're, I'm a family physician that's sort of at my core is primary care and taking care of patients uh, with from birth to the end of life um, and it's always been a big passion of mine ever since I wanted to be a physician and I think that drives a lot of my work in population health and why I was interested as we were starting the ACO uh, starting planning around 2013 and we became a track one MSSP in 2015 and part of my drive to want to be a part of it was is comes from that primary care base and so it's a relatively new ACO, and you talked about that. And uh, how did it form? It seems like you've got some unique ideas you've incorporated that we'll get into. Sure, it, it's a mix. Really, it was a it was a partnership between the largest health system in our region, Mission Health System, and a core group of primary care leaders uh, who had started an IPA in the area, and we're already starting to figure out how to partner together to do some of this work. And realized, gosh, it would be much better if we can do this together uh, in the context of an ACO and get independent physicians and an integrated health system together to, to do this work. And so that started in late 2013, heavy planning in 2014 for a 2015 start. You know, one of the things that we believe in most strongly is that we need to have an impact on the social determinants and if we're going to make a difference in healthcare, And that, I think, comes from our primary care core, right? right? Our leaders, our initial leaders are primary care physicians. We've all experienced the difficulties in trying to manage chronically ill patients that have chaotic lives and have significant challenges at home that, that lead them the wrong way. It's hard to make the right decision in, when you're in your own health when your life is so uh, chaotic and so difficult. And so we believe that by trying to address those with community partnerships that we can make those healthcare decisions easier and get to the right outcome uh, and not have necessarily just depend solely on education or about chronic disease as the foundation of care management. So it's interesting because as I heard your overall presentation, you're one year in, but you sort of jumped in whole hog. You have a lot of unique ideas that, that most people you would expect would incorporate later in their development, but you started right off, like you talked about with social determinants. You also talked about the issue of harder to change the behavior of your own physicians versus right. the others. Could you touch on that a bit? Sure. Um, in, 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 the, in the first piece, we did jump right in, I mean, I think we had a core philosophy and core belief that this is the model that we're going to push forward and know that it's a long game. You know, working on social determinants is hard work. We may not see the, the financial investment right away, but we feel very confident that we will and we're going to build a better infrastructure and a better model as a result for the, for the long haul. Um, and and to, this, to the second point, it's absolutely true, you know, part of our work is not only engaging patients and getting them to the right uh, the right outcome, but it's also about engaging physicians, and it's very different to engage independent physicians that are looking ahead at how their world is dramatically changing in terms of their reimbursement. They're highly motivated to figure it out. Um, the employed physicians, it's a little slower because they're insulated, right, from the economics and from the finances. And so it has been a little bit harder um, because to, to have them understand how the economics and how the finances of their own health system are changing and how they need to change their practice to accommodate. I would say, however, that our health system has been very responsive in changing compensation models, for instance. Instead of going for straight productivity, how do we blend value into our own physician reimbursement so that it more closely mirrors what the health system is facing? 
And you talked about that being a key piece of it, of ensuring you tie that reimbursement to the revenue stream kind of Absolutely. deal. Yep. Absolutely. And then the other issue you touched on, which was really unique, is you talked a little bit about this app. And some of the things the app could do, and it sounded like, you know, one of the complaints about physicians, especially with the triple aim, et cetera, is we really need a quadruple aim. Right. At the end of the day, we need to have satisfied physicians in practicing in these new models. Sure. And it sounds like your app tried to make some of that stuff easier. Right. I, I think when you said the keyword there is easy, right? We, you know, we're borrowing the easy button terminology. And I think we wanted to get something as close to an easy button as possible. So if you have a difficult patient in the office at the point of care, it's one thing to make a referral in your EMR that might get responded to in a day or two, right? And in a week later, at the point of care, we would like a situation where someone can hit a button on the app and call our care manager right then and say, I have a difficult patient, they need help today. They, we need someone in the home today. Uh, I suspect they're not taking their medication or they don't have access to the medication. I need this addressed. So we have that in the app. We have what equates to an easy button where they can call our care manager or a clinical pharmacist, an LCSW. We've had our LCSW on the phone in, with someone in an office that was having a behavioral health crisis. And as mobile crisis was on their way to help the provider, our LCSW stayed on the phone with the patient with a medical assistant live in the office to kind of help talk the patient down a little bit um, as the provider was able to continue to see patients and, and check in and out. So we're trying to facilitate that as much as possible because it's a huge um, burden, I think, for primary care physicians and handling some of these difficult patients. And I assume that creates efficiencies not only on the provider side, you know, having to not click so many buttons, et cetera, get something done, but also in terms of just getting that care management process going. Absolutely. How are you seeing the uptake of this app? Uh, you know, we have uh, several different ways where people can engage with us. They can pick up the phone and call. Uh, we have a website, of course, uh, like most people do. Um, but we also have this app. And by far, the greatest way, or the largest volume way we get referrals and calls to us is using the app. We have far more people click on the app and use the app, and we know that they've logged, logged on to the app and have used it than we do on the website. It, it's just easier. Um, it, the website you have to log into, and, all, and, and so there are certainly advantages of the website because there's, it's more robust, but for those quick things that you need ready access, um, the app has proven to be very effective for engaging physicians. We are actually having discussions now about how we might use a similar style of app for patients that we serve. Um, increasingly, we're finding patients have smartphones, even the complex ones manage to have a smartphone. And so when we talk about things like reminding them to go to dialysis, for instance, how can we start using that technology in that way? Absolutely. So you're going to use that app. You've got the provider side hooked up. Now connect right. that patient side, get that engagement going, and complete the entire loop. That's right. We've just started those conversations about what, we would, what it would require to do that effectively and what we would want out of it. But that's, uh, that's on, the, on the plan. Well, fantastic. So where do you see the ACO going? What are the key areas you're going to focus on next this next coming year? Sure. Um, a couple of things that I focused on even in the talk today is, is looking at our analytics differently and looking at impactability analytics, as I was referring to. You stole my thunder. I was going to get oh, the sorry. impactability. That's a great one. That was a beautiful comment you made in the presentation. Yeah, as well. I mean, I think we, we all are aware of analytics that tell us risk of readmission, risk of mortality, and it's all very helpful and effective for managing our patients. But what I want to know from as a, in my business operations of the clinical operations of the ACO is where are my inter my style of intervention the things that we have built how are they most effective where are they most effective what patients and how can I use that information to then guide who I intervene on next rather than having to learn the hard way when I try for three months to get them to a better outcome and fail how can I predict who I'm going to most have an impact on? And so that's where we're moving towards is adjusting our business operations analytics to address that and fine tune our business operations. 
It also allows us to design new programs to figure out the people that we couldn't reach with our method, what new methods do we need to develop, mm -hmm. right? So that's exciting. Um, we are actually moving to a new uh, platform for care management that will, I think, help our ability to uh, track our pathways, our social determinants pathways that we've developed. Um, and I think we're moving more and more towards risk. Uh, we are starting a Medicare Advantage plan with a commercial product later next year and taking on more value-based contracts. And, and depending on how the final rule comes out, we may take on more risk within the ACO. So lots of work. Yeah, that is fantastic. And one other area I want sure. you to comment on. You talked about the art of medicine and what is the art of medicine. And I thought that was also very insightful. Talk a little bit about that and sure. behavior change. And as someone pointed out, I would say I called it the new art, but it's probably more appropriate to say the new old art, right? Right. Um, and what I, what I strongly believe in is that where, um, where we historically have said that the art of medicine is the knowledge, right? The, the doctor holds all the secrets to the medical world. Uh -huh. We know the medicines, we know the conditions, and the patients have respected that and, and acknowledged us as professionals as a result of that knowledge. But now that knowledge is not secret anymore. Right, it's out there. You can Google anything. You can find the clinical algorithms for heart failure, COPD, etc. The appropriate treatment for any condition. You can find at your fingertips as a consumer. The tricky part for us as providers is going to change from just being the keepers of the knowledge to being able to apply that knowledge and engage patients and ultimately change behavior. That we need patients to be able to manage themselves and uh, become more accountable for their health. But that means changing their behavior and getting them more engaged. And that is where the true art of medicine will be, is how do we make that connection for our patients, uh, connect the information to an engaged, accountable, and uh, ultimately a healthy patient. So, Doctor, this is very exciting what's gone on in your presentation this morning. What actually drew you to this? Well, I think at, at the core, it's the core of family medicine. It's the core of primary care. I think what drew me to population health is that we had already been working on EMRs and quality improvement and, and running registries of patients and realizing despite my best efforts and working as hard as I possibly could, there were a whole group of patients that I wasn't able to touch because uh, they didn't come to the office often enough because of lack of transportation or housing. I just knew there were whole segments of the population that I couldn't affect in the way that I most wanted to. And so as this opportunity started coming, I was involved in the leadership of within the hospital and, and our local IPA um, to start thinking about how we would work, work together in value-based care it seemed really exciting to me because now what we're really talking about is building the support and infrastructure to help not just primary care physicians but specialists as well to provide those services and make those connections for patients that we always struggle with. So one of the biggest drivers for me is that it, it's what I've been wanting my whole health career as a primary care physician is some support on those things that I can't control. So I, that's why I love coming to work every day. Great. And as you think about coming at it from a the idea of an independent practice association, IPA. There are a number of different structures mm -hmm. and models out there. What do you see as the secret sauce in, that's allowed you guys to be this successful? I, I think what we can offer a group of independent physicians is they are thought leaders. They are, they are the cultural and emotional drivers for the community as they're related to primary care. And, and I think one of the things that we have to approach is acknowledging that first. As a health system, you, it's important to not come in and say, we know what to do better than you do. That wasn't the case at all. It's just that there were, there were, it's a mutually beneficial relationship to be able to say, look, you are the leaders. You know what's going on in the trenches. You know what drives better outcomes. And how as a health system can we support you? Um, whether it's we can provide analytics, we can provide marketing, we can provide infrastructure that would be very difficult as an independent IPA sometimes to be able to do, especially a young IPA like ours. And I think you also touched upon maybe after the presentation, 
some of the difficulties, I mean, some hospitals have really struggled with this concept, mm-hmm. you know, because at the end of the day, it they may have to change their thinking, but look more like a cost center. How were you able to overcome some of that, or what were some of the thinking behind it? All right, and, and, I, and I recognize that there are folks all over the country that are facing that every day, and that struggle between health system leadership and, and understanding that their bread and butter comes from utilization, right? And right. We're, we're, our mission is very different than that. Um, I feel very lucky, actually, that our health system leadership came at it from the completely opposite point of view. They were the biggest proponents and adopters uh, of this kind of work. So I, it has to come from the top. You have to have support. And not only did I think we had support, we had drivers on the hospital system side that helped us form and start. And we never would have uh, accomplished this as quickly as we did without that support. Um, but I think it, it, has to, it has to be there from the top in order to drive that culture change. I think for those that struggle, I think the, the driver for the health systems that are maybe reluctant is to look at the future is that if they are on an island alone in the world of utilization, right, they're trying to encourage OR time and, and surgeries, um, the understanding that's, that won't always be the case. And if they're left alone on that island, uh, it, would be hard, it will be hard for them to survive, and they ultimately will need to partner with community right. So as they move to more global-type risk models, Absolutely. obviously that's the right. only way to survive in that, if you're going to get the savings through reductions in utilization, is to be at some sort of a global cap or some Absolutely. sort of a capitation, that's right. and then create the models to continue to drive efficiencies in your system. That's right. That's absolutely right. Fantastic. Well, it's great you're at a forward-thinking uh, hospital system with the IPAs, yeah, right. and, and making a real difference in North Carolina. Absolutely. Really appreciate it. Thank you. You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.